Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us here on a Friday evening. Coming up in just a moment, North Dakota Superintendent of Public Instruction, Kirsten Bazer is going to join us. She's going to give us the latest and sort of the K through 12 education situation here in North Dakota. But I want to start tonight with this. I want to start with a big thank you. I don't know if you know this, but it was 75 years ago today that we defeated that thing, that very evil thing known as the Nazis. So thank you to all our amazing World War II veterans for your love of country and your sacrifice. And we want you to know that we will never, never forget. As we all know, both Governor Walls and Governor Burgum have declared that students will continue distance learning and the majority of the schools will also be doing online graduations. We received a question from a viewer out of Fargo prison said, hey, if a football field is good for the U.S. Navy graduation, because the Air Force, but why not our high schools? Put the kids on the field, parents strategically in the stands, stream for the grandparents. If it rains, wear your fishing gear. I love that one. Fishing opening this weekend. If the gowns get wet, who cares? They won't graduate again. More fun than the, than the end of July when many will have moved on with their lives. Give them a memorable event. It really is sort of the, that rite of passage. So, you know, thank you for that text there. Then today, if you hadn't heard, the Minnesota education officials... They didn't hear you from Fargo. They banned large graduation ceremonies for the class of 2020. But here's the thing. They said no in-person stuff, but if you want to do it in a parking lot, you can graduate, have a ceremony in a parking lot. You just, you just have to make sure that each family is in a separate car. So as long as you're in a separate car per family, then it's okay. Can you say big brother? <laughs> so Minnesota State Senator Karen Housley tweeted this out in her response. She goes, okay, so the Air Force Academy can graduate a thousand cadets in an outdoor ceremony, but Pipestone High School can't socially distance their 60 graduating seniors on a football field for their ceremony? Right now, I see more than 60 people inside Costco. Where's the common sense in all this? <laughs> Great question there by Senator Karen Housley. So uh, it, it's, you know, here's the sad thing happening. We talk about a lot on the show in Minnesota is the fact that they keep trying to treat you know, Hennepin County like Halleck, right? Or Roseville like Roseville. They're just not the same thing. You cannot do that in, I think, most of our opinions. The good news, though, is that in North Dakota, we do have some common sense. We are going to allow some in-person graduation ceremonies with, of course, social distancing. And joining us now on our 702 Communications line, 702 Communications, keeping you connected, is North Dakota Superintendent of Public Instruction, Kirsten Baser. Kirsten, thanks so much for joining us here. Uh, I know you've got a, probably a million questions from parents, so I guess I just want to kind of go into this, if you don't mind. I've got to imagine it was a pretty arduous decision for you guys and Governor Burgum to say, hey, we're going to continue with this distance learning. So take us in that meeting and or meetings and help us understand sort of what metrics you were looking at and how you came to the conclusion of, okay, we're going to stick with distance learning. Yes, it was actually more than just one meeting. It was about, it was several weeks of meetings. It was, I think as soon as we um, went to distance learning, we had to immediately transition into how long does this have to exist? What's the situation in North Dakota? What are the factors that we need to look at? And we began working on guidance for reentry, North Dakota Smart Restart K-12 reentry, almost as immediately after we got the distance learning plans approved because we wanted to make sure that we were ready for that. As it you know, became closer and closer to the uh, May 1st date and the um, governor's uh, expiration of letting the businesses expire, those meetings ramped up quite intensely. And as we looked at things in whole and in totality, I have a student cabinet, I have a family cabinet that meets with me. We used to meet quarterly. Now we've been meeting every week for an hour, hour and a half. The families on the weekends and the student cabinets uh, over lunch hour. 
from their school. So took into their consideration and heard a lot from our teachers, uh, talked a lot to a lot of teachers, our school principals, our school board members. And it was their sense, you know, there, there was it was about 50-50 to be honest with you, but for those that um, were really involved in the work, our teachers, our students and the parents that were having the distance mm -hmm. learning, the, the large majority said, you know, it's not the best situation, distance learning isn't the best situation, but our students, our children are in a schedule, they're in a routine, they, you know, to transition back into uh, the classroom, even though it might just be for a week, would probably have more social and emotional benefits than it would to have the, the educational benefits. And so with that, and the governor, as you know, he talks every day at his press conference about the the testing and the contact tracing. How would we be able to make sure that we would, did we have a robust enough tracing infrastructure in place if there would be a case that we would be able to mobilize that immediately and make sure that we were getting the, the, um, the, the, the confirmed cases quarantined. So after considering all of that, uh, we decided that we would put our efforts into making sure that we would have a plan for some school districts that might want to open up in summer school and really put our efforts into how are we going to stay start up healthily, uh, safely, and with our education focus back in classroom in-person teaching for the fall. So that's what we decided to do. And then, of course, as soon as that decision was made, then we had to have the conversation about what about graduations and what about celebrations. And so I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. We have districts, we have counties in North Dakota that don't have any confirmed cases. We have classrooms that have 16 graduates and we have classrooms that have you know 450 uh, graduates. Minot uh, Magic Campus has 450. So those are completely different situations, completely different scenarios that local school boards um, can probably with their school superintendents and high school principals, those are the people that should be working through the logistics of that. And I was very, very pleased that Governor Burgum was, um, was able to give that uh, opportunity for our local decisions. Yeah, good for you guys making that, uh, you know, putting it down to the local school board. So um, I want to back up for a moment. We'll get to the distance learning piece in a second. But the big question I keep hearing, Kirsten, is is the fact that, you know, when you look at the data, again, facts, not fear, it's really the young people. They're not being hospitalized. It's not as contagious within young people. So even this week, President Trump had said, hey, look, I would love to see people go back to school. If you've got some elderly teachers, maybe with diabetes or underlying conditions, protect them, don't have them come back. But you know, this doesn't seem to impact the kids as much. Let's put them back to school. Was there conversations at least county by county to say, hey, let's put them back to school and protect the elderly and vulnerable population? Yes, there was, and and right up until that that very that very day of the um, the announcement where the governor did make an announcement, we actually hadn't made the decision. We were looking at all of those elements, looking at the data, looking at that coming in. But what we what we were also concerned about is would there be enough time? So today is the last school day for uh, some of our schools, or next week will be the the last school week for many of our school districts. And wow. so to put those things in place and to be able to have boards, be able to create those new policies and those new learning, get the staff in there. What would the cleaning be like every night at the end of school? Because even though it's not an impact for our students, I don't know anybody that's hung out within a middle schooler lately or even you know some of our kindergarten first graders, they're not that hygienic at this point. They truly aren't. And so they were looked at more of the spreaders of the disease. And as they go back and you you get 25 students in a classroom, even with social distancing, even if you you know minimize that to 10 or 15 students, they are still, you know that's 10 families that are being integrated together. Then they go back and what if they have elderly 
parents? What if they have elderly grandmas and grandpas living with yeah. them? Um, so there were just a lot of considerations. And it was essentially about the time to prepare. How much time would our school districts be able to prepare to do that in a, in a, in a safe way? And Kirsten, I got a limited amount of time here. I think the other piece too that I think you or the governor have mentioned is, hey, look, in the last couple of weeks of school, you don't really do much anyways when you're young. And so real quickly, um, if you don't mind, I know this is probably a longer answer, so we'll have you back on, but are you concerned or how concerned are you that this is gonna push back the education of our kids? So here's what I'm telling parents and our teachers because they're very concerned about that and so are we. And so I don't want our students to feel that they've done something wrong. And I certainly don't want our heroic parents to feel that they've done something wrong and that they haven't tried hard enough. So the message that I really want to share with everyone is that your student, your child is not behind, they're not ahead, they're exactly where they need to be. But we as teachers, we as educators, we know that when they come back to us this fall in that in-person learning and that in-person environment, that we'll have a lot of work to do to determine exactly where each child is individually. And it's our job. Our teachers are superheroes and it will be their job this fall to find out exactly where your child is and we will get them back to exactly where they need to be. We might need to adjust some things and that's my role as the state superintendent is to make sure that I'm providing the support that our schools need so that our teachers have the, what they need in their classrooms to meet our children's needs exactly yeah. where they are. North Dakota Superintendent Kirsten Baser, super quick, 50-50 that we're going back in the fall, 100% we're going back in the fall. I'm pretty confident. Okay. I don't have a crystal ball. It's pretty black and pretty cloudy right now, but I'm pretty confident that we'll go back in the fall, at least for some time. We're also planning for a future disruption with the flu season coming on, yeah. but pretty confident we'll come back. All right. North Dakota Superintendent Kirsten Bezer, thanks for your time on a Friday. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? Thank you. Take Thank care. You. She just mentioned about parents there, you know, at home teaching the kids. Also, many of you are working at home. So earlier today, we sat down with the CEO of 702 Communications to talk about improving your home office. All right, also joining us now on the 702 Communications line, 702 Communications, keeping you connected, is the CEO of 702 Communications, Brian Cromick. Welcome back to Point of View, Brian. It's always great to see you, my friend. Thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, a lot of people watching right now are doing this dance between working at home and trying to manage work, and it, it becomes kind of blurry. So what can we do to set up our quote-unquote home office space to be the most effective and most efficient? Yeah, you know, I, I think in a... In a, in a as is true with a lot of things is you don't realize how much you use some of the things that you use every day until you don't have them anymore. Um, we talk about, you know, you look around your office and, and you've got multiple monitors set up and, and you're used to walking to that copier or, or, you know, even sometimes having to send a fax. And, and now that we're all working from home, you know, we're maybe working on a laptop screen instead of having that whole efficient uh, desktop set up. And, and, and you're, you're maybe sitting at home thinking, gosh, I really missed that copier scanner and I never thought I would. <laughs> and that fax machine um, you just mentioned. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you have to realize that, you know, we're getting through our days, right? And this is, that's what so much of this has been is, is just figuring out how to do your work with, with the resources that you have, um, but now, again, since we don't know how much longer we're going to be working from home, we need to talk about um, doing some things more efficiently so that so that you can accomplish the things that you want and need to accomplish at home. Um, and that might mean, you know, digging a little deeper into technology you have or making some investments into, into some technology to help you do work better. And what would be some I, of those? Okay, were you going to give us some suggestions? Well... You go ahead and ask the question. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I think everyone right now is like, hey, what can you do to help me maybe manage my calendar easily, more easily or more effectively or, or something where, 
because you're right, when you're dealing with your phone and these different screens, it, it can drive you a little crazy at times. Yeah, you know, I mean, I had a home office set up and, and you know, you can work off your laptop okay, but if you're used to multiple monitors, and again, if this is gonna go on for a while, maybe it's time to invest in one of those monitors for home so that you can, when you're working at home, have, you know, this screen with, with all of the windows that you used to have open on that one, and this screen with all of the windows you have open on that one. So you can monitor um, your, your calendar and your inbox and, and still have your productivity screen. You know, like I say, if, if you're in a position where you're still employed working from home and, and you're not worried about spending a little extra money on that, buy yourself that second monitor. But also realize that that your phone can do a lot of things that maybe you didn't know that it could. Um, we've talked before about you know how you can make sure that you're uploading documents to and from the cloud, so we don't need to hash over that again. Um, but there are some really great scanner, copier apps uh, out there for your phone. I've used one called Scanner Pro on my iPhone for years now, and if I've got a document that I need to scan and send to somebody, it's as easy as taking a picture and emailing it to that person, and it comes out as a great high-resolution PDF. You can even fax from that thing if you need to do it. So, um, and that's all native. It's some of that, you know, you buy in the app, and some of that's native to the phone. And so maybe you haven't done that before, but your phone does a lot more than and you maybe realize too. So you can pick up some of that functionality you might be missing. Yeah, you know, it's a great point, but sometimes I think like, even when you say the two screen thing, like I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. But then I almost break out in hives thinking, cause oh, now I gotta go try to do something techie. So, so there's always that balance. <laughs> well, there's a balance, right? There is a balance, but you've got, you know, I'm pretty sure you and, and anybody else out there, Chris, even if they don't think they're too techie, can plug in a monitor to your laptop screen. And, <laughs> And you're going to be able to figure that out and, and you're going to adopt that technology pretty quickly. And I don't think anybody would regret having that extra desktop real estate at home. Have you ever seen me try to hammer a nail? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian Cromwell. the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> CEO of 702 Communications. Check him out online again, 702 Communications. He is on the 702 Communications uh, line. So, Brian, thank you very much. Have a great, great weekend, my friend. Thanks, Chris. So I want to invite you to go to our website, povnow.tv. Again, povnow.tv. Sign up for the Fighting for the Truth email club. It's the Fighting for the Truth email club. That way we can kick you out an email of all our shows and segments so you don't miss anything here on Point of View. And stay with us. We've got a great interview coming up talking about how COVID-19 has been act impacting healthcare here in our community and what we can do to help. As always, please share your point of view with us. Email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. we got much more coming up right after this.